0: Good evening. 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 Welcome to Wednesday Evening Chapel. Welcome to the last chapel service of 2009. So I'll see you next year. (laughs) We are being transformed into Christ's likeness. And the Advent season helps remind us that he's the one who makes it possible. Just remind all of us uh, the themes that we've been celebrating over the last couple of weeks on Uh, a week ago Tuesday we were looking for the Messiah a week ago today we were preparing for the coming Messiah last night we rejoiced in the coming Messiah ultimately looking and preparing and the rejoicing all combine to help us worship so this evening we are going to worship the coming Messiah Uh, Dr. Dan Powers is going to preach uh, the message from the from the New Testament lesson for this evening, need to light one more candle and drip wax all over everything. Just don't tell my wife because oh no, it's it's not her tablecloth. So we are here to worship. We are here to worship the Messiah who came and the Messiah who's coming again. Amen. Amen. Okay, stand and we'll have some scripture reading and some singing together this evening. The psalm reading comes from Psalm 80. I want us to read it together in unison. Let's read. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim. Shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You You make make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our Our enemies enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let Let your your face shine that we may be saved. And the Lord's answer to that prayer was an angel song.
1: Ready? Angels we have.
0: reading comes from the book of Micah, and I'd like us to read it responsively. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Testament readings comes from the Gospel of Luke. It is a song, and we'll read this song responsibly. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation
1: my soul magnifies the Lord
0: he has shown strength with his arm he has scattered the proud in the in the thoughts of their hearts my soul magnifies the Lord he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly my soul magnifies the Lord he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever.
2: My soul magnifies
0: the Lord. Amen. You
3: may be seated. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to read from the passage that comes right before that responsive reading we just did in Luke chapter 1 verses 39 to 49. Luke chapter 1 beginning with verse 39. At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant." May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. The passage I'd like for us to look at this evening is traditionally referred to as the Magnificat. This name is derived from the first word of Mary's song in the Latin translation, Magnificat Anima Mia Dominum. I just knew the Latin I learned in Holland would come out good sometime. In today's fourth Advent service. My text is derived from the beautiful prayer that Mary sings to the Lord in Luke chapter 1. There are a couple of elements of this prayer that are rather fascinating. I was doing some research on the Magnificat on the internet and I found one website that said this about this prayer. It is the Virgin Mary's joyous prayer in response to the angel Gabriel's annunciation to her that she will become the mother of the Son of God. But when we look at this story in Luke's Gospel. This is not true at all. This is not true. In Luke chapter 1, Luke tells about Gabriel's announcement to Mary of her miraculous pregnancy in verses 26 through 38 of Luke chapter 1. Mary's song of praise to God is not found immediately in verses 39 and following. Rather, Mary does not sing her song of praise until verses 46 and following. When we look at Mary's response to Gabriel's announcement Luke tells us that her only words were these, May it be to me as you said. Now I'm not sure how you would interpret these words of Mary, but personally, I do not find any joyous prayer or triumphant song in these words, May it be to me as you have said. Certainly we can detect a receptive and obedient Mary in these words, but Mary's response to Gabriel and his announcement that she was going to become pregnant with the Son of the Most High, not through the agency of a man, but through the agency of the Holy Spirit was not a response of joy in singing. Despite the clear indication of Mary's acceptance and obedience to the messenger of God in her words, may it be to me as you have said, I think that Mary was very troubled and actually terrified. The fact of the matter is that the young unmarried Virgin Mary was pregnant. How do you explain this miracle? to the smirking men and gossiping women of the town square. How do you make your parents believe this explanation of the surprising pregnancy? In her troubled embarrassment, Mary quickly packs her things and she hurries, Luke tells us, to the hill country of Judea to visit her relative Elizabeth. The angel had told Mary that Elizabeth was also the recipient of a miraculous pregnancy. But as we compare these two pregnancies, we have to recognize there is a huge difference. Elizabeth was experiencing a miraculous pregnancy while she was married. How would she react to the unmarried pregnancy of the teenaged Mary? Luke tells us about Elizabeth's reaction to Mary in verses 41 to 45. When Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, her unborn child leapt within her womb. And Elizabeth declared to the anxious Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. It is in response to Elizabeth's blessing that Mary sings her prayer. Listen to her words of joy. Our theme for this fourth Advent service is magnifying the Lord. As we have just heard Lisa sing, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. Some translations read, My soul exalts the Lord, or My soul glorifies the Lord. But when we look at the Greek text of this word, we find that the literal meaning of this word signifies the idea to make large, to make great or to magnify. I've been intrigued by Mary's use of this word magnify in her song of praise to God. Why would Mary say that her heart or her soul magnifies the Lord? I want us to think about this word magnify for a moment this evening. We all know what it means to magnify something, don't we? I remember the first time my parents bought a magnifying glass for my brothers and me it was so much fun to blow up the image of all these different types of things that we were accustomed to look at. Of course when you turn four young boys loose with a magnifying glass they'll end up magnifying things that were probably never meant to be magnified. It's amazing what an armpit or a nostril looks like (laughs) under a magnifying glass. And who would have guessed that an ant in the sun would actually really blow up, right? Um, The amazing thing is when we magnify something, it takes on a shape and a form that is rather surprising. It's incredible to look at things, not only from the perspective of a wide angle view or a distant view, but also from a blown up magnified view. As I have thought about Mary's prayer and her selection of the word magnify, I can't help but think that Mary had discovered one of the amazing truths about the way that God does things. As we've already seen, Mary did not break into song when Gabriel first revealed to her God's plan that she would give birth to the Son of the Most High. With humble acceptance she simply proclaims may it be to me as you have said. But when she ran to Elizabeth and received Elizabeth's blessing instead of her rejection or blame, Mary realized the incredible nature of God's plan. God not only had a plan on a larger scale for Mary's birth of the Son of God, but God's plan also included the confirmation and encouragement of Mary on the smaller scale of her own life through her relative Elizabeth. I guess that I want, what I want for us to realize this evening as we think about Mary's song of praise is the fact that God's plan is perfect. His plan is perfect. Now I don't think that many of us would really want to argue very quickly that God's plan is not perfect. I think we accept the idea that God's plan is perfect. But what we sometimes don't realize is that the perfection of God's plan does not only embrace the bigger picture or the grand scheme of things, but God's perfect plan also includes the smaller scheme of things within the individual lives of His followers. If we were to magnify the details of God's greatest plans, we will discover that His plans are perfect in both the big details and also in the smaller details if we will be faithful and obedient to Him. If we will exercise our eyes of faith, we'll be able to see this principle along with Mary. For you see this seems to be the principle of the way that God does things. When we examine God's plan for our lives, if we will be obedient and faithful, we will ultimately be able to discern God's perfect orchestration of that plan even when it is not immediately apparent to us. And the incredible thing is that we will discover not only that the bigger plan is perfect, but even the smaller more intricate details of the plan are perfect. In other words we can literally magnify the plans of God and His careful orchestration will become even more visible. I want to show you several examples of how this works. We've already looked at Mary, After Gabriel shared his incredible news to Mary, she hurriedly flees from her hometown and visits her older relative Elizabeth. Can you imagine the concern and anxiety that Mary must have felt? How would she ever be able to convince her relative Elizabeth that she was pregnant without ever ever having had sexual relations with a man? But even as Mary voices the first words of her greeting to Elizabeth, I can see her formulating the words in her explanation. Then Elizabeth rises up and proclaims blessed are you Mary among women and blessed is the child you will bear. You are blessed because you have believed that the Lord will accomplish what he has said. Mary didn't have to explain her miracle to Elizabeth at all. Instead of receiving suspicion and perhaps even rejection from Elizabeth, Mary became the recipient of humanity's highest praise. Elizabeth actually blessed her. At the hearing of Elizabeth's blessing, Mary realized that God had not only devised a plan for the big events of her life, but God had planned the small things in her life as well. God had planned for the Savior of the world to be born to Mary, but He had also planned for a relative by the name of Elizabeth to bestow understanding and blessings upon the obediently anxious and fearful Mary. God's plan included not only the blessing of all humanity, but also the blessing of Mary herself, one single solitary woman. And so Mary burst out in song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Praise God for His marvelous plan. I suppose the reason why this is so noticeable to us is because we are not always so good at laying out our own plans, are we? Sometimes we'll have what seems to be just the perfect plan, a great plan, but when we actually put into action, all the details seem to scatter into complete disaster. You've probably heard the story, but I'm reminded of a story I heard a couple of years ago. There was a guy from Michigan who bought a brand new $30,000 Jeep Grand Cherokee for Christmas. He decided to take his Jeep for a test drive on a duck hunting expedition with four of his buddies. And so they loaded up the Jeep with the dog, the guns, and the decoys, and they headed out to a nearby lake. Now it was the dead of winter, and of course the lake was frozen. So they needed to make a hole in the ice to create a natural landing area for the ducks and the decoys. Well, in Michigan it is not uncommon to drive your vehicle out onto the frozen lake. And although it is illegal, it's also fairly common to make a hole in the ice using dynamite. Well, one of these five buddies worked for a construction team and so he just happened to have brought some dynamite along. <laughs> this stick had a short 20-second fuse and so the group was all set up. Their shotguns were loaded with duck pellets and they had their decoys, warm clothes and their hunting dog. The first thing they had to consider though was how to safely dynamite a hole through the ice. They didn't want the dynamite to explode too close to where they were standing. And they also decided they did not want to risk slipping on the ice when running away from this burning fuse. So they eventually settled on a plan to light the fuse and throw the dynamite out onto the ice. And so the owner of the new Jeep walked about 20 feet further out onto the ice, held the stick of dynamite ready, while one of his companions lit the fuse. As soon as he heard the fuse sizzle, he hurled this stick of dynamite across the ice as far as he could, and he ran in the other direction. Well, this is where the great plan of these five geniuses began to run amok. Remember a moment ago when I mentioned the vehicle, the decoys, the guns, and the dog? Let me tell you something about the dog. This dog was a trained black Labrador, born and bred for retrieving, especially retrieving things thrown by his owner. As soon as the stick of dynamite left this man's hand, the dog sprinted across the ice, chasing the stick-shaped piece of dynamite. Well, you can imagine how frantic these five guys became as they immediately began yelling and screaming and waving their arms at this dog, trying to get him to stop chasing after the dynamite. But their cries fell on deaf ears. Before you know it, the retriever was headed back to his master, proudly carrying the stick of dynamite. <laughs> with the burning 20-second fuse. Well, the group continued to yell and wave their arms while the happy dog continued his trotting towards them. Well, what do you do? Well, in a moment which would seem to be great inspiration, which was born out of sheer panic, of course, the master of the dog grabbed his shotgun and fired at his own dog. Well, the gun was only loaded with duck shot, and so the shot actually confused the dog more than it hurt him, And so, bewildered, the dog continued trotting towards his master who shot once again at man's best friend. Well this time the dog was scared and so he ran for cover with his tail between his legs. Well he looked for the best cover and he ran for the nearest cover that he could find. Right underneath his owner's brand new $30,000 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Kaboom! The dog and the Jeep were blown to bits and they sunk to the bottom of the lake, leaving a large ice hole in the lake. Needless to say, the insurance company determined that sinking a vehicle in a lake by illegal use of explosives was not covered under their policy. <laughs> and the owner is still making $400 monthly payments on his brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee, which now sits at the bottom of the lake. This is exactly what happened so many times with our great plans, isn't it? How many times do our best laid plans collapse into catastrophe? Or how many times do we have a general plan whose purpose and goal seems so beneficiary, and yet the details of the plan, or the way that we try to accomplish that plan, leaves a painful trail of hurt and pain in its wake? Not so with God. God's plans are perfect in the greater scope of things and His plans are even perfect in the small scope of things. Perhaps Mary realized this truth about God's plan and this is the reason why she's saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. Even when God's plans are magnified down to their tiniest elements, His plans prove to be beautiful and perfect. But you know what, I, what is really exciting about this characteristic with God's plan? The exciting thing is that with eyes of faith, we can see this same truth all throughout the story of Jesus. When we magnify the plan of God so that the smallest of details become visible, we can still see the intricate planning of God at work. Let me give you a few examples. At the birth of His only begotten Son, God proclaimed the good news of the Savior's birth through the singing of an angel choir. These angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to the people on whom God's favor rests. The angels proclaimed God's plan of salvation to the entire world. But this plan also included the great joy and salvation of the shepherds who were watching their flocks in the field nearby. God's great plan was to bring the news of a Savior, which was good news of great joy that will be for all the people. But that same plan encompassed even a handful of lowly shepherds to whom the angels also declared, Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. To you. God's plan is not only perfect within the big picture of things, it's perfect in the smallest details. My soul magnifies the Lord. We find the same principle at work in Jesus' life. Think of the story of the healing of Jairus' daughter that we read about in Luke chapter 8. Jairus was the ruler of the synagogue. He was a well-known and recognizable man within his community. You know the story. Jesus comes to his house and finds Jairus' daughter already dead from her sickness, but he speaks those divine words, my child, get up, and she's raised from the dead. This story reveals such a wonderful and beautiful plan of God's power and victory over death. But even in the journey to Jairus's house, we see God's plan doesn't only account for the great event of the resurrection of the poor, of this poor young girl from the dead. But God's plan also accounts for the healing of the poor hopeless woman along the way. So that she also gains a new life that is free from a bleeding that had plagued her for 12 long years. My soul magnifies the Lord. We find this, characteristics of, this characteristic of God's perfect planning, even to the smallest details, not only in the life of Jesus, but even in the death of Jesus. Even as Jesus is suffering on the cross, dying for the sins of all humanity. That's God's great plan, right? Right there. Even during that time, Luke tells us that Jesus looks to a repentant criminal to his one side and says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. God's great plan did not only take into account the salvation of all repentant and believing men and women of the world, but His plan also took into account the salvation of one murderous, undeserving, yet repentant criminal on the cross right next to Jesus. My soul magnifies the Lord. The pages of the Bible are filled with stories that demonstrate the perfection of God's plan, both in the large scope of things and also in the smallest scope of things. But you know, this is not only true of the stories of the Bible, but when we look carefully, this is also true of God's plan for our lives as well. When I was finishing up my doctoral dissertation at the University of Leiden in Holland, I was invited to teach for a year at the European Nazarene Bible College, which is located right on the border between Germany and Switzerland. Now, for me personally, this was a wonderful opportunity. Not only would this opportunity provide me with so with some much-needed teaching experience which would be helpful for me, but it also provide me with an inroad into Nazarene higher education. As my wife Meek and I prayed about this, the Lord seemed to confirm to us that this is something that, we, that He wanted us to do. The plan of God seemed to fit perfectly for me and for my personal desire to teach in one of our Nazarene institutions of higher, ed, of higher education, but there was a problem. My wife and I have four children. We had lived in Holland with our children for four years at this time, although we were planning to return to the United States after I finished this year at the European Nazarene Bible College, then our children couldn't read, write, or hardly even speak English at all. How could we take them to a small village in Switzerland and have them be enrolled in Swiss German schools? I speak German, I don't speak Swiss German, it's completely different. While the move to Switzerland to teach at the Nazarene College seemed to be the best possible situation for me personally from an academic standpoint. It seemed to be the worst possible situation for our four children. They were all 11 years of age and younger at that time. And yet God made it clear to us that this is what He wanted us to do. And so with anxious and fearful hearts, believe me we were anxious and fearful, we decided to move to Switzerland in obedience to what what God had called us to do. Well at the Bible College in Switzerland there was a man and woman by the name of Phil and June Petrie who had come to Switzerland from America to help at the Bible College. Phil had worked for years at Mount Vernon Nazarene University and so he quickly took over the task of registrar at the college. But his wife June just didn't really seem to have a task or something for her to do at all. They had to work in the kitchen and do different types of things but she just didn't really seem to have a place there. It's like there's just nothing for me to do here. All that she had done for the past 25 years before they came to Switzerland was to teach elementary school in America. So while my wife and I had no idea how we were going to take care of our children in a small village in Switzerland and educate them, God's plan had already arranged for our four children to have their own private English school teacher with more than 25 years of experience. Incredible. God doesn't only take care of the big details within His plan, He also takes care of the smallest details. My soul magnifies the Lord. During this special time of Advent, I want to remind you of God's plan for your life. So many of us here have left everything behind to come to Colorado Springs. Many of you came in order to obey God's call and plan for your life in ministry, in Christian service. And for most of you, God's plan seemed so clear to you as you prepared and as you came here, and you stepped out on faith to obey this great plan of preparing for Christian service and ministry. But now the struggles have come, classes are difficult. The adjustments for you or for your spouse or children have been very trying. Your salary doesn't seem to cover all your bills. The church you're attending seems to be nothing like the church you came from back home. And so the plan of God seems to be hanging from the thinnest of threads. As you made the preparations to come, the big picture of God's plan seemed so great. But now as you are dealing with the smaller details of that plan, the doubt has crept into your mind that perhaps God is overlooked the small but important details of your life today the young virgin yet pregnant mary has a song for us it is a song that was composed under the most trying of difficulties and yet is it a song it is a song that speaks of a god whose plan is perfect even when you don't realize it yet in faithful obedience to god's plan Mary said to God's messenger, May it be to me as you have said. And as a result of that obedience and faithfulness, a Savior, Christ the Lord, was born. And the perfect plan of God was revealed not only to all mankind, but also to Mary in an unexpected blessing from Elizabeth. In the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your anxiety, In the midst of your difficulty to understand the intricate details of God's plan for your life, the Song of Mary calls us to a life of obedience and faithfulness. God's plan is perfect. Wait for it. Be obedient in it. Be faithful in it. My soul magnifies the Lord. Mm-hmm. All the details of God's plan are not always readily available to us there are times of struggle there are times when we just don't understand but my soul magnifies the Lord he has a plan he has a purpose he never says it's going to be easy if you find that passage show it to me he never says it's going to be easy but he says he'll be with us and it will be perfect holy Is his name. He knows what he's doing. He makes no mistakes. The only mistake we can make is not to obey him. The only mistake we can make is to begin to doubt and think, well, I guess I can't do that because I can't figure it out. My soul magnifies the Lord, and in obedience, his plan is perfect. Follow him, obey him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the obedience of Mary. It's hard to imagine what would have happened if she would have said, no, this isn't going to happen to me. But Lord, she obeyed and she followed. And we have been given forgiveness. We've been given victory over sin. We have been given a Savior as a result of her obedience and as a result of our obedience and faithfulness. Father, Christmas time is many times a difficult time for many of us as we find ourselves separated from family and, and home and from the things we've always done before. And yet in the midst of this, Lord, we have to realize that we're not here by accident. You have a plan. And as we faithfully obey you, as we faithfully follow, you'll see us through every difficulty. There will be difficulties. There will be difficult times. It's almost guaranteed. And yet you'll be with us. And as we follow through, as we endure to the end, the perfection of your orchestration will become visible to us, Lord. And we will glorify your name. My soul magnifies the Lord. So Lord, as we go from this place, give us that courage to continue to obey, even when we don't understand. Give us the strength to do what you've called us to do, to be the people you've called us to be, and to allow that great plan to take fruition in our lives as we follow and obey to the end. And so we go with that promise. Sometimes it seems like it's almost invisible how it's going to work out. But we go with that promise, with that expectation, with that hope of this Advent season, because a Savior is coming. A Savior is among us. And God has a plan. And we will follow regardless. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And Father, would you magnify your plan also in our, in our minds and in our hearts and in our faithfulness to you. These things we pray in the blessed name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. The Lord bless you.